to observe the festival of Sukkot for seven days. And then it says, You're supposed to rejoice at your festival, you and your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites and the foreigners, orphans and widows living among you. For seven days you are to keep the festival of Adonai your God in the place Adonai your God will choose, because Adonai your God will bless you in all your crops and in all your work, so you are to be full of joy. The hayita ach semeach. Because this idea of rejoicing appears over and over and over again in Sukkot, that it is also known as zaman simchatenu, the time of our rejoicing. Over the last few days, we've been talking about Sukkot and all its symbolism and significance. And even though we talked about in this particular verse, seven days, how many days is Sukkot according to the Torah? Eight, because there's also an additional called Shemini Atzeret, this eighth day that gets added to the seven days of Sukkot. But today I want to focus on the seventh day of Sukkot, which begins tonight, called Hoshana Rabbah, the great Hoshana, which it brings to a conclusion, or almost a conclusion, the festival of Sukkot. Since Sukkot was originally a harvest festival, much of the symbolism is retained within our practices to this day. Part of this is the incredible attention that is given to water and especially prayers for rain that are added at the end of Sukkot. So on Shmini Atzeret, which is on Monday, that is when the cantor gets back dressed in, traditionally the kittle again, and there are all of these prayers for rain. And it is that point that we begin to add the Mashiv Geshem, the prayer that who caused the wind to blow and the rains to fall during the Amidah. So on Hoshana Rabbah, the highlight in biblical times was a ceremony that happened in the temple called the Simchat Beta Sheweva, the special water drying ceremony, which happened actually on every day of Sukkot, but it was a huge celebration on the on this seventh day, on Hoshana Rabbah. Every day of Sukkot, water was poured on the special holiday offerings. Why was water kind of unusual to be poured on the sacrifices? Normally, we pour what? Wine. But on Sukkot, we pour water, and we'll get into why in just a moment. Throughout every day of the festival, water was drawn from the pool of Siloam, which was at below the Temple Mount and carried in a gold pitcher by a special priest, accompanied by a joyous celebration and paraded all the way up to the temple. And upon reaching the temple, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, would then pour the water into a basin at the foot of the altar. This pouring out of the water symbolized the prayers for rain which occur on Shemini Atzeret, as well as the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is this imagery in which Isaiah writes, with joy shall you draw waters from the wells of salvation. However, on the seventh day on Hoshana Rabbah, this water drawing ceremony became even more of a festive affair, surrounded with deep significance and joy. The water was again drawn from the pool of Siloam, and when it reached the water gate, the first blasts of the shofar would ring out. And the great candlesticks for Hoshana Rabbah would be prepared. And the wicks of the candlestick were made from the old 
clothing of the priests, the linen garments that they couldn't throw away, but they only wore once, that then they would use those in order to do the wicks of not only the menorah, but then of these special candlesticks that would be used on Hoshana Rabbah. And it was said of Hoshana Rabbah that not a courtyard of Jerusalem did not reflect the light of the Beit HaShoeva, that the light that was happening as a part of this uh, accompaniment was such a big deal. And this water drawing ceremony was accompanied with uh, the accompanying the water and the men who drew it, there would be pious men who would dance before them with burning torches. Countless Levites, Levites with harps and lyres, trumpets and cymbals. All the people would follow the procession waving their lulav and etrogs and chanting hallel. And two priests stood at the upper gate and they oversaw all of the festivities. And according to the Mishnah, it says that the person who has never seen the joyous Simchat Beit HaShoeva has never experienced true joy in his life. As they drew closer and closer to the steps leading into the main part of the temple, shofar blasts would ring out announcing their arrival. Finally, as they reached the final gate, they would turn to face west toward the sanctuary itself and utter these words, we belong to God and our eyes are turned to God. It is said of Hoshana Rabbah, this is actually in the Encyclopedia Judaica, a connection between the possession of the Holy Spirit and ecstasy or religious joy is found in the ceremony of water drawing, the Simchat Beit HaShoeva. This was also considered a ceremony in which the participants, as it were, drew inspiration from the Holy Spirit itself, which can only be possessed by those whose hearts are full of joy. What is the symbol of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Scripture? Water and the outpouring of water. This is why the rabbis understood that there's this direct connection of the impartation of the Holy Spirit with Sukkot, and particularly on Hoshana Rabbah. This understanding of Sukkot, that we are, where we are always to be joyful, and this is again why it's called Zaman Simchatenu, the time of our rejoicing, because we are to be joyful because God's forgiveness has been granted following the outpouring of God's Spirit. And this understanding of Sukkot is what led the great Jewish believer, Paul Philip Levertov, to write, the joy which results from the study of God's word and from keeping the commandments does not reveal itself equally at all times. Of all the feasts, that of tabernacles is the most joyous. For this reason, water and not wine was used in the, obla in the oblation of the temple services on this festival. The joy which the wine symbolized ordinarily being actually experienced. So wine is symbolic for joy, but we use water on Sukkot because we don't need artificial joy on Sukkot. And that outpouring is now the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is really cool. And also added to all of this symbolism are the prayers for redemption, our prayers for God to save us. For example, earlier we prayed, Ana Adonai Hoshiana, God, save us now. Ana Adonai Hatzlichana, God, please cause all of our works to prosper. So you need to understand all of the context, which I just gave you very briefly for Hoshana Rabbah, 
In order to understand then Yeshua's identification of himself as the source of Mayim Chaim, of true living water, at the end of John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, we begin the chapter, this whole chapter is about Sukkot. The opening verse says, after this, Yeshua traveled around the Galilee, intentionally avoiding Judea because the Judeans, like certain people in Judea, were out to kill him. But it says in verse 2, but the festival of Sukkot in Yehuda was near. And so then it goes on to talk about Yeshua's uh, going up to Jerusalem, originally secretly, and then it says in the middle of the festival, he began to go up to the temple courts and began to teach. And then finally in verse 37 we read, now on the last day of the festival, on Hoshana Rabbah, this festival that we were talking about, where Yeshua would have gone up and he would have experienced all of these things that we were just discussing a moment ago, it was on this day, the last day of the festival, Hoshana Rabbah, Yeshua stood and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him keep coming to me and drinking. Do you understand why he's using this? It makes sense now. If you understand Hoshana Rabbah, why he's talking about drinking and why he's talking about water and why he's talking about living water because this is exactly what's going on on this day. Whoever puts his trust in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from his innermost being. Now, he said this about the Spirit. Again, the connection of the Holy Spirit and water. Now, he said this about the Spirit, whom those who trusted in him were to receive later. The Spirit had not yet been given because Yeshua had not yet been glorified. When they mean given, it means given in a greater impartation in the way that it'll appear in Acts 2. On hearing his words, some people in the crowd said, surely this man is the prophet. The prophet is Deuteronomy, the prophet that Moses talks about, who will be greater than Moses. Others said, this is the Mashiach, this is the Messiah. But others said, how can the Messiah come from the Galilee? Galilee at this time was like the Ozarks, right? It's like, you know, it's the hillbilly country. Like, why would people thought of, I mean, it's funny because there's mention in the New Testament about the way people talk from the Galilee, right? You know, like what good could possibly come from the Galilee? So they're saying like the Mashiach is supposed to be this great king of Israel. How could he possibly come from the Galilee? Doesn't the Tanakh say that the Messiah is from the seed of David and comes from Bethlehem, from, from Bethlehem, which is just over the hill from Jerusalem, not from Galilee? The village where David lived, so the people were divided because of him, and some wanted to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. The guards came back to the head Kohanim and the Pushim, and they asked them, why didn't you bring him in? And the guards replied, no one ever spoke the way that this man speaks. You mean you've been taken in as well, the Pushim retorted? Has, the, has any of the authorities trusted in him or any of the Purushim? No. Trust true that these Am Ha'aretz, these, no, you know, these people who are nothing, they believe in him, but they know nothing about the Torah. They are under a curse. But Nicodemus, the man who had gone to Yeshua before and was one of them, said to them, our Torah doesn't condemn, condemn a man, does it? until after hearing from him and finding out what he's doing. They replied, you aren't from the Galilee too, are you? <laughs> Study the Tanakh and see for yourself that no prophet comes from the Galilee. But then they all left, each one to his own home. When it says they left, meaning that it's the end of the festival and everybody returns to their, to their homes. Yeshua here applies the symbolism of Hoshana Rabbah, of the living water, of salvation, 
and of the outpouring of the Spirit to himself. It was in the midst of this water-drawing ceremony, the Simchat Beit HaShoeva, with the blasts of the trumpets, the waving of the lulav and the etrog, the chanting of psalms, and the ecstatic joy on, on the part of the people, and in the presence of all 24 divisions of the priesthood, that Yeshua cried out in the temple courts. Remember, he's crying out in the temple courts. He's surrounded by thousands and thousands of people. Sukkot is one of the pilgrimage festivals, right? He's proclaiming publicly in the hearing of every single person, right? Including all 24 divisions of the priesthood. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever puts his trust in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from his innermost being. Yeshua was in effect saying, I am the answer to your prayers. I am the source of eternal life and the source for all blessing and outpouring of God's spirit. And this dramatic cry of Yeshua, supported by the full impact of the temple rituals on Hoshana Rabbah, would not have been lost on those who heard him. In fact, hearing this, what would seem at first to be a simple phrase led them to completely understand what Yeshua was saying. That is why they respond on hearing his words. Some people in the crowd said, surely this man is the prophet. And others said, this is the Messiah. They knew. They knew that especially considering the context of Hoshana Rabbah, that Yeshua, what Yeshua was implying. On Hoshana Rabbah morning in synagogues now all over the world, we Jews will gather for prayers. And like on the earlier six days of Sukkot, we will sing Hallel and, the, and, and along with the waving of the lulav and the etrog. Then we will do the Hoshanot, the circlings, which on Shabbat we don't do the circlings, but we're going to do Hoshanot in just a moment with our lulav and etrog in hand. But this time on the great Hoshana, which happens on Hoshana Rabbah, we circle the bima seven times instead of just one. And each time crying out to God to save and redeem us. Each time declaring our allegiance to God. Finally, after the seven hakafot, the seven circlings, on Hoshana Rabbah, we, sit, we set down the lulav and the etrog for the very last time. On this Sukkot season, we pick up a, what's called the Hoshanot bundles, a bundle of willow leaves. And this is really cool if you ever see this, the willow branches. After further prayers for rain, redemption, and the appearance of Messiah, we beat the ground five times with the willow branches, so hard that the leaves must fall off the branches. It's crazy to see all these grown men just you know, beating these willow branches against the ground on Hoshana Rabbah. This symbolizes our determination to separate ourselves from sin in our final prayers of repentance, bringing to conclusion the high holiday period. After beating the ground five times with the willow bundles, we recite this prayer. We pray, bless and deliver your people, your heritage, shelter and sustain them forever. May my words and supplication be near Adonai, our God, day and night. May God uphold the cause of his servant, the cause of his people Israel, as each day requires. Thus shall all on earth know that Adonai is God, there is none other. May Hashem indeed uphold and cause his servant Yeshua and our people Israel and the world to prosper. 
Ana Adonai Hoshiana, save us, God. Ana Adonai Hatzlichana, please, God, cause us to prosper. Sukkot and specifically the practices of Hoshana Rabbah are mixtures of joy, repentance, and redemption. But more than anything, Sukkot and the ceremony, the ceremonies of Hoshana Rabbah remind us of our constant reliance on Hashem. Our very survival is completely in his hand, which is one reason that traditionally today we read Kohelet of Ecclesiastes. It's why we include prayers for rain. By dwelling in Sukkot, we are reminded of our own frailty, and we are reminded of our own temporal natures. Sukkot also concludes the high holiday period because it finally ties it all together. During this joyous season of Sukkot, we continue themes of introspection and repentance, of seeking God's forgiveness. And yet we also celebrate that the answer to those prayers through joy and the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh have happened. For Sukkot reminds us that the ultimate power in the universe, the power of life and death, belongs not to us, but to God alone. In Yeshua, the source of Mayim Chaim, of living water, in Yeshua, we encounter the outpouring of blessing and of life and experience a foretaste of the world to come. I pray that as we conclude Sukkot, that you would also taste that sweetness of redemption, that you in your own life would experience a breakthrough, that the joy of the Lord would be your strength at this time and at this season. Because life never gets easier so we need that joy that comes from God in order to get through it. So Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King, I pray that at this time, when all of Israel is crying out around the world, that you would hear our cries and you would hear our prayer and that you would send Mashiach, that you would send the Messiah soon and speedily in our time and in our day and that we as your servants, filled with that joy and love that we have for one another, would prepare the world for the return of Mashiach that we would be out and about doing your work. As I've mentioned so many times, we come into this place, into these four walls, only to prepare ourselves to go back out. So God, may this time of Sukkot be a reminder of all of the lessons that you want to teach us. And may we really absorb those lessons to transform us and inspire us in the, in the year ahead. So we thank you, God, for this time of Sukkot Zaman Svechatenu, the time of our rejoicing. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. I invite you, if you are able, to please rise for the Hoshanot.